When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. This is the Leaf Sky Podcast. Here's your host, Jim Taddy. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Leaf Sky, Episode 7, Season 2. Thank you, Mike Ross, for that fine intro. Jim Taddy with you for the next half hour or so. Dave McCarthy from NHL.com, Sirius XM NHL Network Radio will be by to give us his assessment as we chat about the Leafs as they hit the 21-game mark. So, for all intents and purposes, the quarter poll on the season. Before we get going, the NHL season is underway and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has an unbelievable offer to celebrate the greatest sport on ice. New customers can bet just $1 on any NHL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. Doesn't have to be a highlight reel goal. The puck crosses the red line. The lamp goes on. You win. Unbelievable, but you have to believe it because I just simplified the explanation. If Sportsbook isn't available in your area, don't worry. DraftKings will not leave you empty-handed. Everybody can play for huge cash prizes all season long with the DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Now, that's a yes guy. Here is, ladies and gentlemen, here is the call to action. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code THPN. Guy, 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 what is it? THPN. Throw down $1 on any NHL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. This week, one puck in the net nets you the big win with the promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for complete details. All right, on to the NHL story. And so the Leafs crossed the quarter pole. Game number 21 goes into the books. A 6-2 easy win in Los Angeles on Wednesday night. You know, we were a little concerned Saturday. They lost 2-0 to Pittsburgh and just didn't look like themselves. But the following night with the rookie goaltender Wall in goal, they shut out the Islanders on the road and then continue the road trip in Los Angeles with an easy going away win. It was a nice, I call these building victories where you get those quick goals in the second period and all of a sudden the game is yours. And this Maple Leafs team just has a totally different look. Don't know how long it lasts, but at game 21, we're going to celebrate it and we'll get complete details on where the Leafs are. And let's just do a, a stock analysis here. And I mean, like, let's take stock of things here. Where are the Leafs after 21 games? Certainly heading in the right direction. Check this out. Here's our conversation with Dave McCarthy, NHL.com, Sirius XM, NHL Network Radio. So, Dave, here we are at, what, the Leafs are 14-6-1. So, quick math, yes, guy, that's 21 games in. Uh, where do you think we are with this team? Um, 
that's a good question. I would say that um, the team is, in my mind, in a better position than they thought they would be, especially given the way the season started. I had some concerns about how this team would perform because I think on paper they're not as strong as they were last year. Uh, they lost some key personnel who I thought uh, made significant contributions a year ago. Zach Hyman, uh, obviously. Uh, Zach Bogosian, underrated. Um, but they have certainly turned the season around after the first uh, six or seven games, and they've gone on a really nice run here um, where they find themselves right up near the top of the, of the NHL standings. And, and that is something that I really wouldn't have bet on. And, and what I like, what I've seen here, is that they have found a way to be comfortable in low-scoring games, which is something that I don't think we've been able to say um, really ever in this iteration of the group with the, the Matthews, Marner, Nylander era. So I think that's how you win more consistently, one, and then two, most certainly, how you win uh, in the playoffs. So that is encouraging to see. So I, I guess I would say they're in a slightly better position than I thought they would be. Yeah, you know, it's kind of funny. When you watch the team play, um, it, here's probably the best way to, to describe this. If you were to put, after 21 games last year, a highlight reel of all their goals and compare it to the highlight reel of all the goals after 21 games this year, you'd think you're watching a different hockey team. They score differently. They play differently. And sometimes when you're watching them, especially in the building, you're, you're understanding that they're doing what those elite teams used to do to them. It's kind of an mm-hmm. odd view, isn't it? Well, no, I think it's it's a good view, to be honest with you. Oh, yeah. Because the, the, way, the way they had been playing in the past, sure. I love that analogy. Yeah, the highlight reel from the past few years um, would put this year's to shame. But, you know, it's as I always say, and it's kind of what I got into when um, John Tortorella made those comments about Connor McDavid, that he, he might need to change his game a little bit in order to have success in the playoffs. Um, like what, what the guy was getting at was that, okay, it's nice to have all that skill, but if the only way you're going to beat teams is flying through the neutral zone one-on-four, and you think that's going to work consistently enough to win the playoffs, you're sorely mistaken. So it's great to have all that talent, but you got to make sure that you use it at the right time and that you've got other elements to your game. I think that's all John was saying when it came to Connor McDavid and Everyone seemed to lose their mind. I mean, I don't know why, quite honestly, but um, that's a different discussion. But with this Leafs team, I think it's the same same thing. Yeah, they're not nearly as exciting a team, but I think they're playing more sustainable hockey. Um, and I'll tell you what, if if this team ends up going on a bit of a run and, you know, my goodness, heaven forbid, get to the Stanley Cup final, do you think if we have this conversation next year, the the topic will be uh, you know you know what guys like the Leafs they, they just weren't really exciting last year I, I miss no they'll be like yeah they got to the Cup finals they went in the third round that's all anybody will care about and 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 to me that's really what it's all about at, at this point find a way to have some playoff success because they've done the regular season thing um, and that's all well and good but if that's where it ends and we never talk about playoff runs this won't be viewed as a positive uh, version of this team. Sure, true enough. I mean, how exciting is it? How entertaining is it to watch your team get blasted in the first round year after year? And the answer is not very. Um, 
it's it's interesting to watch this team because it's I think it's hard to describe. Uh, you could say that the core four don't score like they used to, and you'd be accurate, but then you would you wouldn't be paying uh, the proper respect to the fact that those four guys carried this team for a number of weeks because they were the only guys scoring. Mm-hmm. No, you're right, and um, look, the even strength scoring is down, and I think in large part, um, specifically with Matthews and Marner they're still searching for what's going on in their left wing right now. And they really haven't found a viable option. And I think what this uh, does go to show is just how valuable a player that Zach Hyman was, especially uh, helping to generate it even strength. Um, he did a lot of that work and it's, it's really, I guess, been brought to the fore now how important he was without uh, him. They have not performed as well at even strength. So, that's an area that I think they need to get sorted out and find some consistency in that area, whether it's Ilya Mikheyev coming back in the lineup. So I don't know if I really see him as a fit with Matthews and Marner simply because he's a speed guy. Um, I think they need a guy who's, who's stronger along the wall, like, like Hyman was. Um, but, but that's some, something that they'll have to figure out and address before the playoffs. Cause that is a, a weakness of this team right now. So um, but in saying all that, they have performed well enough to where the team is at, um, where they are right now. What I like is that, um, look, this season was really close to going off the rails there after that uh, uh, loss to Pittsburgh and Carolina, and they were down 2 nothing in Chicago on that Wednesday. And, and since then, they, they've found a way to turn it around. And I was not confident that that was going to happen, but they're now – in a position where they're able to try to address some areas of their game while they're winning, as opposed to um, trying to find any kind of positive momentum. And that's a mark of a really good team where you can try to tidy up areas of your game in the midst of, of being a winning and a contending team. So I think that's another really encouraging sign about this group. Agreed. Uh, just let me throw a couple of thoughts at you. First of all, that was a battle with adversity that they came through and, Quite frankly, I don't know that they had a battle with adversity last year until the final three games of the series against Montreal. The other thought I want to throw at you is, um, you know, a strength can be a weakness. So if you plug Zach Hyman back into this lineup, you're going to say, okay, that problem's solved. But, but here's my theory on that. And I think that this left side rotation is going to go on all year long. Bunting goes from the fourth to the first line, and Richie drops down to what is the third line. And this, this type of shuffling is going to go on every maybe eight to ten games for me. And, and I actually think, and, and you call me crazy here, Dave, but I actually think it keeps everybody else honest because they don't look at it as, okay, we got our left winger. We can go on our way now. It just it, it makes them play a more honest game. Would you agree with that? I do, actually. I do. I mean, it, it, it makes uh, – it puts the onus on, on Matthews and Marner uh, to make sure that I think they keep their own end under control. Because remember, as good as Zach was in the offensive zone, he was just as good in the defensive zone. Um, so, And I think that's sort of a, a microcosm of where we've seen the mindset for this team go. It's, it's about taking care of the puck first and then taking the chance when it's there to be had as opposed to forcing a chance when it's not there. Uh, and, and I think that's fundamental to, to how the team has changed the way they play um, to an extent. And, and I buy that analogy. I think that's, I think you're right. You know, so all these teams that, that, that have been high scoring at one point 
find a way to adapt their game a little bit. We saw Tampa undergo it uh, very publicly when they lost in four straight to Columbus after they won 62 games that year. And I think you could make the argument, Jim, that that season for Tampa, they didn't really face any adversity until they lost game one. And then it was, oh, geez, what are we doing here? Um, and, and then remember later that the, the next season, or I guess two games in, just before they came to Toronto, uh, they, Steven Stamkos delivered a, an impassioned speech um, where he was like, you know, look, man, if we don't change our game, like we are going to be in for it again. And I think everybody looked at it like, guy, it's, it's two games into the year, relax yourself. But he was right. And he understood the importance of really driving that message home. And they did that year. Took them a while to get it going, around about Christmas time, if we recall. Um, but once they, they, they got going, they didn't look back. And in the Leafs' case, you know, they talked about it all year long or all summer long last year in, in the training camp and throughout it. And in the first seven or eight games, it was like, man, all that talk, I don't know what, what that was all about because we haven't seen it. But they, they've, they've figured it out now. And this is now a long enough run where I'm starting to be convinced that this is a sustainable a brand of hockey. Well, the other thing is you could look at, um, and I'm going to say they're support players, so that's anybody not in the top four, Matthew Smarter, Tavares, Nylander. You look at these guys and you realize how relevant they are and how important they are individually and collectively. If you go down the left side, I'm going to put Richie off to the side because he hasn't really contributed, although there's all kinds of hints that that's going to change. But you look at a guy like Kerfoot, he is so valuable to this team. In the case of injury, whether we don't know how long camp is out for, he could easily slip down there. When Tavares was out, he easily moved into the center position. He's a top six forward, but you know he's a Swiss Army knife with, with a lot of talent. Uh, you look at Engvall, who scored uh, Wednesday night, uh, and he has all kinds of potential. And bunting, for me, is like an analytics exercise. He doesn't. When you watch him play, you don't realize what he's doing until he draws a penalty or gets in somebody's way or is in the right spot at the right time. And, and the reason I'm pointing all this out is in a playoff series, these guys could be stars. Well, it always seems like in the playoffs, those are the type of guys that, that step to the fore. I mean, again, not to go back to Tampa Bay all the time, but they've won two cups in a row, so why not? Um, Barkley Gaudreau, um, you know, Blake Coleman, three guys down their lineup that had significant, significant impacts on that, on that cup run. Um, and those are the type of guys that you just mentioned here um, with the Leafs. Bunting's played up the lineup at times. You know, he's provided a screen when you needed it uh, that's led to a goal. He's, he draws penalties like you wouldn't believe. Um, you know, he, he works. He grinds. Um, he hasn't necessarily been as productive as you might like, but he's impacting the game in other ways, and that's encouraging. Um, Engvall, uh, you know, I mean, to me, he played a great game, the opening game of the year, and I thought, oh, man, that's the angle that we that we could see, the potential I think he has. And I remember asking Sheldon Keith that day, um, is that peak Pierre Engvall? Because you've coached him a long, long time. He said, I was pretty darn close uh, because he was getting around the ice. He was moving his legs. He was using his size. He was leaning on guys a little bit, and he scored. And then for, like, 19 games, you really see a lot of that. Um, and I still say that Pierre Engvall is at his best when someone ticks him off and he shows up to the rink in a bad mood. Um, and he looked like he was in a bad mood that day. Uh, I haven't seen that consistently enough. So uh, to me, there's with, with Pierre, there's still so much where you see it and you're like, oh, there's so much more there to give if, 
if you could just give me a, a little bit more consistency with it. So maybe he continues to grow into his game, but you know, he's played reasonably well on that third line with Camp and Kasha, and he's been relatively effective killing penalties. I just think there's so much more there to give. But um, encouraging that there have been some guys down the lineup that have made impacts that maybe are not necessarily on the score sheet um, as much, but impacting the game in other ways. Camp and Kasha, I think they've done a really good job of, of giving – Sheldon Keith an opportunity to turn to a third line in a defensive uh, situation uh, to 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 make sure that he can turn to Matthews and Marner in an offensive situation. It's something he's been looking for for the last couple of years. It seems like he's got that now in that third line. So that's another encouraging sign. Um, you know, there are areas of weakness still on this team, but but I think broadly speaking, through a quarter of the year. Um, there, there are a lot more encouraging signs, which is which is good to see. Well, Cash, you 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 like when he hops over the boards because you know what he's going to give you. Spetsa was always that way, and lately Wayne Simmons has just uh, made a name mm-hmm. for himself. He's he's like an emerging story. He gets better by the game over the last three games. So I don't know what to expect there. I'm curious though, your weaknesses. What do you see as a weakness here? Uh, well, I mean, I still think the stability in the lineup, and I know what we talked about and how that it might keep some guys honest, but at the end of the day, um, you, if you could upgrade the personnel and you, you hope that the, the mindset has been ingrained enough to the point where, um, if you do upgrade the personnel, it doesn't change fundamentally the way they play. Uh, I think that would be something that you, you could look into. I mean, I'm, <laughs> funny like if if you had a healthy Nick Foligno now with the way this team is playing I think Nick Foligno would be even better than he was last I mean he was hurt most of the time this year which was unfortunate but I think you know what I'm saying that type of yeah. player that has a bit more skill but but likes to play that kind of grind game um he, he'd look good in the top six right now obviously that's not going to happen you're gonna have to look elsewhere but uh that to me is an area that uh I, I do think they need to address um I, I would say uh, the, the back end, I think they've got to come to some level of, of um, assuredness as to who they're going to turn to game in, game out. Um, oftentimes, I think the first quarter of the season it can be a bit of an audition time, especially for younger players. Uh, but they've been going through with Sandine and Lilligren and Dermott. Uh, I think it would be a good thing if they get to the point where it becomes clear which six guys have healthier in the lineup um, every night. The good thing is, I think all three of those guys in that uh, that battle have played relatively well. Um, but I do think, come playoff time, you need to uh, you need to have some consistency there. And I guess thirdly, um, it hasn't uh, reared its head as a weakness yet. But um, behind Jack Campbell, what's happening here? Like Peter Morazic, he's got to get back in the lineup. He's got to get up and running. You don't want to wear Jack Campbell out. Joe Wall has played um, effectively enough in his two games. I'm not convinced yet that, that he's a guy that you can turn to come playoff time. I think they'd like that to be Peter Morazic, and, and we really haven't seen uh, that goalie tandem materialize yet that they were hoping for because – uh, Morazic's been been injured for most of the season. Yeah, let's go back to uh, you know the the stumble, the the loss at home to San Jose, 
the embarrassing loss in Pittsburgh, the I guess the likable loss against Carolina, and the dreadful start against Chicago. If, if you go back to your memory on that, how they looked on the ice was uh, pathetic, pretty strong, but they didn't look good at all. And, and so I, I think one of the, you know, as we're applauding the players and how the team looks, the one thing that, that certainly jumps off the page because these guys were under scrutiny at the time is the coaching staff. The coaching staff has done a nice job getting these guys to, to be on the right side of the puck, to play defensively sound, and they, they have helped turn this around, haven't they? Yeah, I think the coaching staff has done a good job, um, especially considering the pressure that they were feeling uh, in the, the early parts of this season. I mean, I mean, I don't know how close it got to anybody losing their job, but you you were starting to hear um, the rustling of that type of noise because the season was that close to going off the rails. And uh, I mean, a year where you come into the season with expectations. And, and and you are that close to things going sideways. I mean, it really did remind me of when Mike Babcock lost his job. Um, you 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 need to, to think about making a change. And unfortunately, they were able to get things back on the uh, the right the right side here and, and have turned it around. And I think the coaching staff uh, has done a pretty good job of you know mixing it up where they need to, to change the lines, even when they haven't been losing. Identifying, look, we could probably get some more production here. Maybe that's gone a little stale. So they took Nylander away from Matthews, went back to Marner, um, that type of thing. Getting Bunting up with him when he was playing good, taking him away when he kind of went through a, a stale stretch, but then still putting guys in roles where they're impacting in uh, in other ways. So. Yeah, and I and I think the messaging has been good too, that that Sheldon has been uh, delivering. Uh, you listen to a lot of what he says. Um, he's he's bang on the money, I think, and I think he's saying it in a way too. It's not only the right thing to say in the media, but that he's getting the message across uh, to the guys as well without it becoming stale or you know one of those like we don't want to hear it anymore type things. So, um, yeah, I think he deserves a lot of credit. I really do. I find this this next uh, sort of area I want to go to very fascinating for me. I, when I look at um, the Leaf roster, I mean, obviously the draft picks are there, the free agent signings are there, and the, the big names are there. There's no question who they are. Um, I, I'm going to circle, and you you might have a different version. I'm going to circle Alex Kerfoot as, as a key acquisition just because when the trade was made, it was Kadri for Kerfoot and, and Barry and Barry didn't work, and Kadri was a missing element that the Leafs struggled without uh, except for in the playoffs uh, uh, ever since they moved him out. But for me, Alex Kerfoot sort of paled in the cadre comparison. But now that he's become his own guy and found his own role on this team, you realize how valuable he is. How about you? Well, he certainly has had value this year. And I think he's fit in uh, pretty well on that line with Tavares. And, you know, whether it's been Marner or Nylander, uh, I think they've been pretty consistent. Um, he has shown his versatility, which has been good. And, and I, quite honestly, I mean, he was a guy that I was thinking they might not be able to afford in the summertime, and they found a way to keep him around. Um, I, I mean, I was thinking they couldn't afford him largely because I thought his, his salary was too much for what he was what he was delivering. Um, but he he's playing well enough now that you see the value in the three and a half a year that he makes, and you know, depending on how long David Camp will be out. Uh, he he will be called into even more service now. Probably have to move back to the wing, um, and they'll probably have to readjust the left. Uh, move back to center, I should say, and they'll probably have to readjust the wing um, w- without uh, without camp in the lineup. But but that's good. So you you have a guy now that can move to the 
to the middle and, um, you know, then you, you can adjust elsewhere. And a lot of teams don't have that luxury right now. So uh, he, he has proven to be a guy that has some value and credit to him because first couple of years that he was in Toronto, maybe a, a bit of it was the, the um, you know, I guess absence of Nazem Kadri and, and, and sort of losing what you, you knew you had there and um, how difficult that was to see that, that piece go. Um, and then the, the next guy that you get, you, you hold him to a, a tough standard at times. But I like what you said. He's become his own guy now. You don't look at Alex Kerfoot anymore, I don't think. At least I don't. And think, well, ah, you know, Nazem Kadri used to be there, and he's not that guy. Now you see Alex Kerfoot for what he is, and he's turned into a valuable piece. Well, I, I think it's a you know it's a relevant discussion that that if you look at the departures of Kadri and Hyman, certainly that those guys were specific fits, and they they really can't be replaced with one player. You're going to get people back for them. You have to sort of accept the difference in the guy that you have there now, and 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 embrace his role over a period of time, and then you have to ask others to sort of uh, piece by piece add uh, you know the missing elements. So somebody had to add the grit of Kadri and obviously what Zach Hyman brings. And I think if you, if you wrote down about five or six names, you, you wouldn't replace those two guys, but you'd come close and then you'd have other elements. So, I mean, it, it's not, it's not ever a Zach's gone. Here's his replacement. It doesn't work right. that way. Does it? No, it doesn't. It, it doesn't because, you know, if you are, are trying to find the guy that you lost and, and have him play exactly that way, you're, you're going to be putting someone in a role where you're not using them to their optimal uh, abilities. Nobody is the same guy as somebody else. Everybody has their own skill set uh, that they are successful at, and it's about getting the most out of each individual guy. And I think that's where Sheldon Keith continues to uh, deserve some credit. Like Michael Bunting is not Zach Hyman, but he's found a way to put Bunting in a role that uh, maximizes his skill set. And, um, and, and you're seeing some production out of them. And you, and you can't sit here and say, oh, well, you know, jeez, uh, Michael Bunting isn't producing offensively the way Zach Hyman uh, is. Well, he's not going to, and he's the guy that you have right now. So as we talked about earlier, okay, we're going to put you with, with Matthews and Marner. Well, guess what? Austin and Mitch, you're going to need to adapt your game uh, a little bit. You've got more than enough skill to do it. You have to find a little bit of a different way to be successful. And I think they have, right? Because they have been producing. We talked about that stretch there where, what was it, 14, 15 goals in a row that came from Matthews, Marner, Tavares, or Nylander. They've been producing, not at the same level. But, you know, who cares? It, it comes down to the thing. Are you winning games um, in a sustainable fashion or are you not? And I think the answer is they are right now. So there's multiple different ways to win hockey games. Um, and, you know, maybe that, that isn't scoring 60 goals a year. Maybe that's scoring 45 and, and playing a bit of a, a safer style. And, and that's not to, to quash Matthew's talent or anything like that, but it's how do you have to play in order to have success under this current iteration of the group? And I think that's, that's part of the organic nature of trying to build a team. There's moving parts all over the place. And it's usually the team that finds the, the best fit with the, the parts that they have that wins, not necessarily the most on-paper talented team. Dave, let's end on this question. At, tw- at the 21-game mark, which is where they sit as we're recording this, is this team better, worse, or about where you thought they would be at this point? 
Well, like I said earlier, a little bit better than I thought where they would be because uh, I just, with the start of the season, I thought it was, it was really heading towards something cataclysmic. Um, so my expectations have been kind of like a, a waveform. Uh, you came into the year, they were, uh, you know, sort of middle of the road. It was more show me. And then the, uh, the first seven or eight games, I mean, I, it just dropped. I thought, holy cow, this is, there's something fundamentally wrong with this team. But now they've shot up again. But, you know, I'm not going crazy in my mind. I'm trying to keep it sort of middle of the road where it's like, okay, this is good. Good run now, 12 games, sustainable hockey, uh, looking comfortable in close games. Uh, big boys are contributing by and large, starting to get some depth. Uh, the goal has been good. Defense has been, been relatively effective, but, um, you know, let's not build statues or hang any banners yet. Uh, we're still in, you know, mid-November here. A lot of, a lot of work to go. So as the quarter of the season goes, I think it was good to, to undergo some adversity in hindsight, um, work your way through that, build on it now. And, and as you like to say, Jim, I've been around you long enough. Championship teams, they've got a nice build to their season, right? I mean, (laughs) it's step by step. And, and last year there really was no build. It's sort of, you know, you you came out in the stratosphere, you were there all year long, and then suddenly your, your plane had a problem and it was just a nosedive in the playoffs. Now this is, this is kind of a nice build and let's see what they're able to put together now uh, over the next quarter of the season to see if they can keep where they have been uh, but maybe try to find a way to build on that um, and, and become an even more effective group. That'll, I think, be the test over the next 20 games. Yeah, Dave, last year was three impressive wins in a row in Edmonton and three forgettable losses to the Montreal Canadiens, and that was your season. Thanks for stopping yep. by, Dave. Appreciate it very much. Thank you. Always a treat. Thanks, Jim. Last minute of play in this podcast. Well, thank you, Mike Ross, and that means lickety-split. Yes, guy, no guy. Here we go. Yes, guy, no guy, number one. The Leafs have solved all their problems. Oh, no guy. 21 games does not equal 82. No, no, no guy. Can they do it? Well, we think so, but they have not solved all their problems. You don't solve all your problems in one quarter of the season with three quarters left. Yes, guy, no guy, number two. You look forward to the Jack Campbell performance. Oh, yes, guy. He's not flawless, but boy, he's pretty darn good. You, you just feel confident when he's in goal. And, and I, you know, I, I know Steady Freddie. You know, obviously the nickname was was uh, very appropriate, but but Jack Campbell seems to take this to a, another level. So an emphatic yes, guy there. Yes, guy, no guy, number three. The left wing shuffle works. I'm going to say yes, guy, for now, guy. I don't know how long this continues on, but it has a habit, as we said in that Dave McCarthy conversation, of keeping everybody honest for now. Long term, I don't know, but I could see one of those guys having a significant role in the playoff victory in terms of a series victory. So we'll see where that goes. So I'm going to give it a sort of a a soft yes guy. And the final yes guy, no guy, this particular segment, this particular podcast, of this particular episode is... The Leafs will continue to play as they are now. Hope so, guy. It's rather effective. And as we said earlier, obviously the highlight reel goals aren't there, but the victories are. So hope so, guy. Let's end on that. Hope you enjoyed Episode 7. Hope you come back next week for Episode 8 of Leafs Guy.